Who talks first? You talk first. I talk first. Welcome, everybody. It's Monday, and you know what that means. It's time for Han Talks First. I, of course, am the host, Han, and this is the podcast you're looking for. I had it actually recording this time. <laughs> it's a Star Wars podcast. Obviously, we talk about the latest and greatest. We got a l- bunch of great things to talk about today. But first of all, how are you all? If you're watching live, thanks for joining us. Hope you had a great weekend, a long weekend if you're in the States. It's Memorial Day weekend, and um, a lot of people are out having barbecues and doing a bunch of fun stuff. But uh, us nerds are going to celebrate right here on the podcast. So thanks for joining me today if you're with us. Um, like I said, we got a bunch of great things to talk about. I did want to go ahead and remind everybody that every Sunday we do what we call the Bad Batch Reviews here on Han Talks First. So if you are watching The Bad Batch and you're interested to hear my thoughts and speculation and review of the show, head on over to the YouTube page or the podcast, check those out. A lot of interesting stuff to talk about there, and some of which we'll actually bring up on today's episode of Han Talks First because there is some interesting speculation about what could come and how it could relate to the um, Star Wars world overall, which is kind of cool. So what are we talking about today? Well, we've got a bunch of great stuff. As you can tell from the title, we are talking about recent comments made by J.J. Abrams and John Boyega about Star Wars, their involvement, possibility of them returning if they're even interested. We're also talking about Zack Snyder. Apparently, he has a Star Wars project that he has been working on for the past eight years. And there is actually some news to talk about with that. Not to mention, we're also discussing Star Wars Replay, which we do every week. The events that have happened this week in Star Wars history. And then, of course, today I learned Star Wars, which will be a little later. Fun fact of the day. And... Like I said, I'm really excited to be here. I hope you guys are as well. And if you want to throw in your name or your questions and comments in the chat, go right ahead. We'll we'll try and interact with everybody here. And if you're watching this on the playback, feel free to leave a comment down below and I'll try and respond to everybody. And the same goes for social media as well. You can find me online at Han Talks First pretty much everywhere. So go say hello over there. Um, before we really dive into it, I want to remind everybody that um, there is a tipping option for this this podcast, this channel. If you're interested in supporting us on a monetary level, it's uh, times are tough. Times are tough right now. And if you go over to streamelements.com slash first slash tip, you're able to leave a tip along with a question. You can leave your name and if you... If you choose to do that, we'll take your question and add it as a main topic for the podcast and dedicate a bunch of time to it. And of of course, it's not necessary. If you want to send in a comment or question anyway, it will be read on the show. But um, this is just something, if you want to go the extra mile and support this show because it is much appreciated. And thank you anyway for listening and watching and going the extra mile just by being here. I really appreciate you all. So I started this new thing every week. I, I do a poll on Twitter, and the first one I did got a, a lot of response. The second one, not as much, and this one today was the least amount. But let's still talk about it. So I put up a poll, and it said, this week's Star Wars poll, whose death was the most tragic? Choose wisely. And the options were Yoda, Anakin, Han Solo, and Darth Male. I made a typo. It's supposed to be Darth Maul. (laughs) 
And 100%, the, the choice was Han Solo. The people have spoken. That is what they think is the most tragic death. Now, I do admit, I probably could have done a little bit better with this poll by adding in the name Luke Skywalker. I don't know why that name left my mind when I was creating this Twitter poll, but it did. But I found it interesting that everyone chose Han Solo. And here's why. I would argue Anakin and Yoda would be more tragic over Han Solo, but the people think differently. You know, with Yoda, that was the first real on-screen death that I was attached to as a kid when I watched those movies. And Anakin Skywalker, such a an amazing journey he took all the way through the prequels and the original trilogy leading up to his redemption and his karma. And I really thought Anakin would have been the one people chose. But you know what? Han Solo's death was very tragic. It was a shock in The Force Awakens when it happened. And I'm surprised people kept it a secret. You know, some people spoiled it for others, but that was something that was really special to be seen on screen for the first time in the theaters. It took me by surprise. I don't know about you. I know a lot of people hated J.J. for that as well at the time. But you know what? It's something Harrison wanted. It's something that served the story at the time. Because it's not about Han Solo, right? It's about whatever that character's journey is and passing it on to the next person, in this case, Kylo Ren. So that was a little interesting thing that I thought, we'll do polls every week, you know, next week we'll have a new poll and we'll see what you guys are saying there. I don't know what it's going to be on, but we will wait and find out. So there was another thing I wanted to talk about before we get into like our main topics and stuff. If any of you know me, you know that... One, I love coffee. And two, I love weird money facts. I've done a couple videos and podcast episodes all about Star Wars money and box office earnings and things like that, but also collectibles. And I post little videos here and there. And I found something very interesting online this week about a new Star Wars collectible. You could call it a collectible. You don't have to, but I'm calling it a collectible. But there's only one in the world, and it is known as the Darth Vader House. So check this out. In 1991, a surgeon bought some property and built this house that he modeled after Darth Vader's mask. Now, the picture you can see here is of the front yard and the opening of the house. And for my audio listeners, if you want to head over to the podcast and check out the visuals, go right ahead. Um, or you can just simply look it up on Google. Search the Darth Vader house. It's in Houston, Texas. It's 7,000 square feet. And does anyone want to go ahead and guess what the price of this bad boy is? I know I haven't shown all the pictures yet, but 7,000 square feet. And it's a mansion, and it's got some it's got some designs to it, I'll tell you that. I will tell you after I show you some more of these photos. But check this out. This is the interior. Now, the interior, especially the living space, is modeled after Dryden Voss slash Crimson Dawn's, uh, what do they call it, headquarters, like his little ship office space. And it's really cool. They have LED lights going through the, the bottom perimeter of the place. Amazing stuff. The aesthetic of this home is very modern, but it's also very minimal. The counters are beautiful. The, uh, what is it called? The stone, it's not a carpet tile it's like a stone tile but it's modeled 
after the black tear steel that is used for Darth Vader's costume in the original trilogy. Pretty cool stuff, huh? I saw this and I immediately was like, oh my god, I just want to go walk through this house. And they're actually having a walkthrough where you can go and visit and just take a look at the house. It's actually for sale. So if anyone has $4.3 million to spare, I mean, maybe we can all wrestle together our own money and as a group, Han Talks First Community can buy this home. It could be the new Han Talks First Headquarters. And then this is the exterior from the, bu- from the back. It's an amazing home. I, it just, I can hear the Star Wars theme as I'm looking at these photos. And again, for the audio listeners, just go Google the Darth Vader house. It's brilliant. And the front of the home looks like Darth Vader's mask. So it's intended to be what the inside of Darth Vader's mask would look like if it was a modern day home. <laughs> I love weird stuff like that. I know it's I know it's not really Star Wars news related, but that kind of stuff just makes me so happy. So, without further ado, let's get into the main topics today and the reason why most of you are probably here. So, let's start off like we do with every Monday, jumping into our first segment of the show, Han, I'm sorry, <laughs> Star Wars replay. Enjoy. Star Wars replay. Star Wars Replay is where we replay major moments and events that happened this week in Star Wars history. And this week, back in 1975, Gareth Edwards, the director of Rogue One, is born. In 1953, Kathleen Kennedy, the president of Lucasfilm, is also born. This week, back in 1983, was the release of Return of the Jedi in the UK, eight days after its US opening. And finally, in 2003, the novel Shatterpoint by Matthew Stover was published. This story centers on Jedi Master Mace Windu and his attempts to rescue his former Padawan. That's it for Star Wars Replay. Tune in next week to find out what major moments and events happened next week in Star Wars history. Now, I personally have not read that book, but I hear really great things about it. And someday, maybe I'll go check it out. Have any of you read it? I'm curious to know your thoughts on it. Is it something I should get, or is it an easy pass? You let me know. And, of course, we're wishing a happy birthday to Gareth Edwards and to Kathleen Kennedy. Not today specifically, but this week it is their birthday, and we appreciate all they have done for the Star Wars world. And again, we'll be back with Star Wars Replay next week to find out what major moments and events happen next week in history. Uh, I forgot to welcome everyone who is joining us here live. Welcome Jonathan, welcome Max, welcome Luke, and I see a couple of you on Twitch as well. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us live, and um, thank you for the audio listeners who are joining us after the live event, listening on the podcast. Uh, for those of you that don't know, you can find Han Talks First anywhere podcasts are found. Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, etc. Give it a follow so you never miss an episode. There's bonus content on there. And if you're new to the YouTube page, please consider subscribing and uh, never miss out on a video. Cool. So let's jump into some of our first bit of news here. So I know everyone's talked about it already. I'm a little late to the game, I know. But we're going to talk about John Boyega a little bit and about his openness to return to star wars so long as jj abrams is involved so just gonna get my notes ready here he was actually interviewed with ew which i think is entertainment weekly and he says that he told the interviewer that he's open to the conversation of returning back to the star wars world now this is something that has been speculated for a while and John Boyega and all the cast of the sequels is constantly berated about this information if they want to return to the Star Wars world. So here is a quote from John Boyega. He says, 
Whichever way, I am open to the conversation, as long as it's Kathleen Kennedy, J.J. Abrams, and maybe someone else from the team, it's a no-brainer. So he's basically saying that he's totally down to return to Star Wars, as long as it's basically the original team that he was with from the start to jump back into it. Now, we know John Boyega has had a lot of problems with Star Wars post The Rise of Skywalker, He's kind of spoken out about his experience as far as being an African-American. Sorry, he's not African-American. He is British. So African-British. I'm not sure what they call it across the pond, but he is black. And he was talking about some of the issues he had with that, how Lucasfilm didn't really, you know, uh, jump on his back when he needed it and or get his back when he needed it and things like that. And a bunch of stuff we've already talked about on the show before. So he spoke out about that. He spoke about his distaste of the story as a whole for his character and for the overall arc of the entire story. So we know that he's not really a big fan of what happened in the movies. Regardless, doesn't matter. But he says he's interested to return someday as long as it's with one of those three people. So I think some of the other people he's talking about when he says people of the other team is specifically Daisy Ridley. Him and Daisy Ridley have this amazing relationship. They are always laughing and having a good time together, and it seems they've grown really close. Part of that is because they were both going through the same exact experience at the same time, becoming from no one to this huge amounts of fame after The Force Awakens came out. And so I understand he built these bonds with The Force Awakens, and he would like to come back to Star Wars if it's with those same people. What I don't appreciate people saying is that he said this as a way of saying he doesn't want to work with Ryan Johnson and he hates Ryan Johnson. Now look, everyone who listens to my show know that I do not like The Last Jedi. And as much as I don't like it, it doesn't mean that we should just talk crap about the creators, right? Because there's still people out there that do like it. And John Boyega is not saying that he'd never work with Ryan Johnson again. So let's get that out the window because that's not what's actually going on so as of right now lucasfilm has stated that they have no plans to revisit the character fn2187 aka john boyega's character so already there is no development for a future with john boyega in star wars not to say that he couldn't come back as another character but he is saying he would want to come back nor jj J.J. has also stated that he is not interested in returning to large-scale franchise films for the time being, and he would like to focus on his original work. Now, if you remember, I said John Boyega has been asked this question about returning to Star Wars for the past two years. And I would like to bring up a clip from last year when he was asked a similar question and how he would return to the Star Wars world. So check this out. This is from John Boyega of November of last year. I've said it from the beginning, if Daisy and Oscar, you know, if they, I've, I've done, a, I think I've done a Q&A a or something, and I, I said, yeah, if they, if they come back, I'm like, yeah, man, we'll come and shoot some, you know, guns again. But I think at this moment, it, it's, versatility is like the biggest thing for me right now. Um, and in making a choice, you know, I worked with Chase Palmer, as soon as I finished on Star Wars 9, then worked with uh, uh, Steve McQueen. There's so many people that I would really like to explore versatility, different roles, different characters with. This is what I do. Like, I enjoy what I do. So to stay in one place can be sometimes hard. You know, you remember, it's playing one role, guys, for how long? So it's like, this time would be great also to, you know, get into other stuff. But, you know, a little animation, you know, all I have to do, man, do them feed lines, zoom. 
make it work. So what I take from this is he's definitely open to the possibility of returning for animation. Animation is the no-brainer part of his comment. Now, as far as returning to other projects, he does also share the same sentiment JJ does, where he wants to be versatile. He wants to try new things. And a part of that is kind of not true, because it was just announced that John Boyega is returning to his role from Attack the Block. (laughs) So it's not very versatile to revisit an old character. But I, I don't think he's eager to jump back into it. I think he's asked the question, would you want to return? Yes. But I'm, I think he's thinking years away. But for an animated feature or a video game or Lego or something like that, he's totally down. I want to know what you guys think, though. Do you think we could possibly see FN2187 or John Boyega return to Star Wars? And if so, where do you think he could show up? I mean, don't get me wrong, I would love to see Finn return. I think his character was wasted in the sequels. I apologize, there's like helicopters or something. There's like a war going on outside. It's freaking Army of the Dead over here. Um, So I apologize for the sound. Uh, Also, side note, I apologize for the uh, picture quality. For some reason, my Ethernet cable is not working today. And I'm not sure why. And I'm looking at the playback, and I can see it's very fuzzy. I'm so sorry. I'm only relying on Wi-Fi today, but hopefully we can get through it. But let me know what you guys think. I would love to see him return. Uh, Like I said, Finn's character was kind of wasted in sequels to me. I thought his character from The Force Awakens had the absolute most potential. More than Rey, more than Kylo, more than freaking Luke Skywalker. Finn's character was so unique and a perspective we have never gotten before. And I, I think we can build on that. You know, it it there's it's unfair to say that it was a wasted character because there's still room to grow. There's still time we can build something around what remains of Finn. So anyway, I would like to know what you guys think. I'm gonna check the comments and see what you guys are saying right now. Um again, welcome everybody who's watching live. Thanks for sticking around and um hope you're enjoying yourself. Alright. I really want John Boyega to return, but I'm not sure if I would want JJ Abrams back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a big fan of the sequel trilogy, but episode seven and nine are very save. I think he meant safe and not very creative, but I still like them. Yeah, just because he wants to work with JJ again doesn't mean he doesn't like Ryan. I agree with that. And finally, here from Max, I would like to see a movie maybe five years after The Rise of Skywalker where Rey rebuilds the Jedi Order and maybe Finn would be trained as a Jedi. And directed by J.J. Abrams. Okay, cool. So there's a lot to unpack from these comments. So, number one, I... With going off that comment that was made about J.J. Abrams, like, not wanting to see J.J. Abrams return to Star Wars, I'm a little torn. Because there's a part of me where it's like... I would like J.J. to return, but I don't want him to write the movie. I think J.J. Abrams is a very, very gifted director, visually, and um, he just knows how to tell a story visually, and some of his shot choices, he understands camera, he understands blocking actors, and he understands movement, but when it comes to writing, J.J. Abrams is not a good writer. (laughs) He has great ideas, conceptually, he's he's like the George Lucas, he can come up with a fantastic story that tons of people can enjoy. But when it gets down to the details and the round edges, you need somebody else. Lawrence Kasdan, 
who he co-wrote The Force Awakens with, made that script so amazing. Lawrence Kasdan is a seasoned writer. Of course, he wrote The Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, Indiana Jones, and tons of other things. So if J.J. were to come back, I don't want him to write. But that's the catch with J.J. His contract states if he's hired to direct a movie, he needs a writer's credit. And so it's a little unfortunate. So I don't, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see that. But John Boyega coming back, I can definitely see it. And I would, yeah, I would support that 100%. Oh, Max, don't worry about it. Uh, your English is fantastic. Don't, don't apologize for, for that. Um, I have a lot of listeners that are actually from um, a country outside of the U.S. where I'm from. And it always impresses me how foreign um, or Eng- second language English to some people is just so it's they speak it very well, better than I do sometimes. So, no, don't apologize for uh, the English. It, it's very understandable. I, I think it was just a typo. Don't worry. Uh, it's okay. Luke says Last Jedi is my favorite of the Disney movies and then Rogue One. The Force Awakens worked well because of Kasdan. Uh, Last Jedi is your favorite. And then Rogue One. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, you know, you often hear it's either, when it comes to the Disney movies, Rogue One is at the top of a lot of people's list. Uh, Not really mine. Uh, it, It was a great movie. Don't get me wrong. But when it comes to Star Wars movies, that one is kind of low, actually. Um... Actually, even below the the prequel movies. But when we're talking about Disney stuff, I guess, I guess it is kind of high. It's definitely higher than Solo. Um, definitely higher than uh, the Last Jedi for me. Um, but yeah, that's a interesting interesting list there. And it looks like you like The Force Awakens as well. Kasdan, yes, I agree, hundred percent. So let's talk about the next topic here about some more comments made by creators involved in Star Wars. Let's talk about JJ. Let's talk about JJ Abrams. Let me find my <laughs> let me find my notes here. Okay, so JJ Abrams, a lot of people talked about this too. I know I'm late to the party, but I have, you know, all the quotes and I want to break it down myself and hear what you guys have to say about it. So JJ Abrams made a bunch of comments to Collider. He was being interviewed about the process of making Star Wars, if he would return, and what the foundations are of creating a plan and is it necessary? And he made some comments. So let's check it out here. So J.J. Abrams says, I'm sorry, let me get rid of this uh, comment thing. I know that's in the way. Okay. So J.J. Abrams has said, I've been involved in a number of projects that have been, in most cases, series. That have had the ideas at the beginning. I'm sorry. That have ideas that begin the thing where you feel like you know where it's going to go. And sometimes it's an actor who comes in. Other times it's a relationship that is written, doesn't quite work. And things that you think are going to be just so well-received, just crash and burn, and other things that you like, oh, that's a small amount, or that's a one-episode character, suddenly become a hugely important part of the story. And I feel like what I've learned as a lesson a few times now, and it's something that especially in this pandemic year, working with writers has become clear, that the lesson is that you have to plan things as best that you can, and you always need to be able to respond to the unexpected and that the unexpected can come in all sorts of forms. And I do think that there's nothing more important than knowing where you're going. Now, this is just one of three comments. And um, breaking down this one, you know, he pretty much just talks about, you know, 
I guess adapting to the pandemic really, but kind of starting that basis of we needed a plan for the sequel trilogy. He talks about his experience, but one thing I wanted to point out, he mentioned he is a series writer when he started out. Yes, writing for television and writing for movies is something completely different. When you're writing for television, you never, you never write prepared for a season two. That's just the standard out here. And usually the pilot has to, one, stand alone, and it also has to have a complete story, and but it also has to leave open ends for something else to come after it. Now, when J.J. Abrams, he made Lost, Fringe, Under the Dome, 11, 28, 63, he's made a lot of, I think he did that one, I might be wrong. He's written a lot of television. Oh, and um, what's the one with the girl from Rise of Skywalker? I can't think of the name. Mystery? No. I can't think of the name. If anyone can think of it, let me know. It, he did it with um, the girl who plays Zori Bliss in The Rise of Skywalker. I cannot think of that show's name. Alias. Alias. Okay, yes. Um, so that's actually what got him the gig for Mission Impossible, which is his first directorial movie, I think. And the goal of the first that third Mission Impossible movie was to reboot the franchise. And then he rebooted it, and then he left. And then he got, what was it, Star Trek. The goal was to reboot Star Trek. He rebooted it, and he left. And then he got Star Wars. Reboot, leave. He's never been one to plan out a series, even with Lost. Started out with writing and directing the pilots, which was a two-parter. About an hour long, maybe even more. And after that, he passed it off to these two other writers and told them to just carry it on. So he completely left the project of Lost. And we all know how that turned out. People didn't like the ending. And he's done that with every project he's been involved with. He starts it, and then he leaves. He never plans anything. And it's like, he's just now realizing he needs to discover what it's like to, you know, come up with a plan, know where you're going, and, as he says, respond to the unexpected. But, you know, I'm a writer myself. I'm not very good, but I do consider myself a writer. And... I just can't imagine doing that. I can't imagine writing a movie knowing there's going to be two other parts and just have no idea what, what the second and third act is going to be. That just that would that would freak me out, you know. But there's more that he says. So let's check this out. He also goes on and says there are projects that I've worked on where we had some ideas but we hadn't worked through them enough. Sometimes we had some ideas but then we weren't allowed to do them the way we wanted to. I've had all sorts of situations where you plan things in a certain way, and you suddenly find yourself doing something that's 180 degrees different. And then sometimes it works really well, and you feel like, wow, that really came together. And other times you think, oh my god, I can't believe this is where we are. And sometimes when it's not working out, it's because it's what you planned. And other times when it's not pl- working out, it's because you didn't have a plan. I apologize for me stumbling over these quotes. J.J. Abrams has a very weird way of talking, and it's so hard to follow sometimes, because <laughs> they're not like really complete sentences. Anyway, so what he's saying here is he's trying to defend the fact that he doesn't need a plan sometimes, because sometimes even when you have a plan, the audience doesn't like it, and it doesn't go the way you think. I don't think that's a really good way of looking at things. I think you st- if you have a plan, you can make adjustments, right? You can always make adjustments. But he's saying it, it goes both ways for him. 
if he has a plan, it could not work out. If you don't have a plan, it could work out, which is very true. And we've seen that case with, you know, the original trilogy, the prequel trilogy. But through all those situations, we had George Lucas, who had an overall creative idea of where the stories were going to go and what he wanted to tell. And that's one of the main problems with this sequel trilogy. It's not that they didn't have a plan. It's that they didn't have one creative leader leading the charge. That's the big problem here. And we're still talking about it today, which seems kind of redundant and it gets old. But this is Star Wars. This is what we love, right? So he has one more quote that I'm going to read here, and then we're going to move on. He says, You just never really know. But having a plan I have learned in some cases the hard way is the most critical thing because otherwise you don't know what you're setting up. You don't know what to emphasize because if you don't know the inevitable of the story, you're just as good as your last sequence or effect or joke or whatever, but you want to be leading in something inevitable. I agree with this statement as well, you know, especially with the fact that you're only as good as your last sequence or you're only as good as your last action scene or your last scene. For those of you that don't know, I'm writing a movie right now. Well, I already wrote it. We already shot it. I'm editing it right now. And when what I was telling my team when we were making it, um, whether it's the editing process, when we were shooting the movie, whatever, I would always tell everybody, let's work on this project as if it's the last film we're ever going to make. Because if that's the case, then you're going to want to make it really good. So that's that was our mentality. But we had a plan with our movie. <laughs> it's only a short. It's like 7.5 minutes long, so it's really not that long. But I agree with that sentiment that he said. You know, you're only as good as your last sequence, which, which should make you want to have a plan with something, uh, regardless of if it goes through or not. But yeah, I want to know what you guys think. What do you think about these JJ comments? What do you think about the John Boyega comments? Everything, you know... What do you think about the sequel trilogy as a whole? What do you think about this whole idea of it having a plan or not having a plan? I could share my thoughts on it like in more depth, but that's like a whole nother episode. This is specifically on the comments made by J.J. Abrams. So let me know what you guys think in the chat, and we will take a look here. Oh, thank you, Luke, for letting me know about uh, the, the show name, Alias. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, in my opinion, this is from Max, in my opinion, if they do a trilogy where should... Uh, there should be a plan, and I think it's better to have one director slash writer that makes a complete trilogy. I agree. Um, if not that, just a showrunner. Similar to how television has a showrunner. They may not write everything. They may not direct anything. But they have. They are in charge of the creative direction of the way the show goes. And now that we have someone like Dave Filoni who just got promoted to head of the executive creative director role, that could help out a lot. We had the Lucasfilm story group before, but that that didn't control the narrative. Dave Filoni can control the narrative. And so this we're making we're making changes and we're getting there, so we'll have to see. Um let me see here. In my opinion, The Last Jedi feels like a sequel to episode seven, but sometimes episode nine feels more like a sequel to seven and not eight. The Force Awakens got two sequels. You thought you were getting a trilogy? No, you got two sequels to The Force Awakens. Josh Anderson, hey, Han, stuck at work, just stopping in to show my support. We will have to catch up, uh, catch the replay later. Have a great day. Hey, thank you, Josh. Hope you're having a great day at work. It was nice to see you. Thanks for saying hello. And um, I hope you have a great uh, Memorial Day. 
So, yeah, that's it for the J.J. Abrams comments. One more thing before we move into our our bigger topic here today, and that is uh, all about the Bad Batch, actually. I mentioned, you know, my review came out yesterday of episode five, and one of the things I talked about in there, which is a huge rumor going on right now, is Darth Maul might be returning to the Bad Batch. Now, if you haven't watched... Uh, the Bad Batch, if you don't want spoilers or whatever, this isn't really spoiler territory. It's not. And it's just heavy speculation. I actually don't believe it's going to happen. But there was, in the most recent episode, they went to a planet named Call something or Val something. I can't remember the name. And the planet also shares residents of the Crimson Dawn organization where they do most of their dealings and things like that. And people tied that into Darth Maul. And saying, oh, well, now Darth Maul is going to come in. One thing I failed to mention in my review yesterday was, <laughs> you know, just because we go to Tatooine, does that mean we're going to see Shmi Skywalker every time we go there? <laughs> or uh, or Luke every single time? The planet is huge. You know, planets are huge. The galaxy is huge. I, I totally get why people would think that. But just because we're going to that planet doesn't mean that Maul is going to show up. Maul's running an underground crime world for the entire galaxy, Right. Yes, he stops by this one planet every now and again, but I don't think we should expect him to return in The Bad Batch. It is very, very likely because Darth Maul has the biggest presence in Star Wars is in animation in the television series. So it's definitely very possible. And his ending in The Clone Wars was he got out of the clutches of Ahsoka, he escaped, and he learned about the unfoilings of Palpatine's plan, which he was very jealous of, and he thought it was... It's kind of weird because Maul has this huge respect for Palpatine, the Emperor. But he never... How do I say this? He hates Palpatine. Darth Maul hates the Emperor. But he has this huge amount of respect for him because of the plan that he didn't get to be a part of after the Phantom Menace. uh, Which was creating this empire, taking over the entire galaxy. And so it would be interesting to see Maul's story after realizing it in the end of Clone Wars. Will it tie into the Bad Batch? I don't know. There are rumors out there that Darth Maul will be coming back in live action, especially in a TV series, which I haven't talked about yet. So that's a possibility as well. Bottom line is people love Darth Maul, right? Everyone loves Darth Maul. There's no one out there who's like, I hate that guy. (laughs) He's a great character. And either way, I think everyone would benefit from seeing him on screen right let me know what you guys think and again you can check out my review that came out yesterday the bad batch reviews talking more details about that and about the show in general but before we get into our last topic let's jump into our next segment of the show which is today i learned star wars enjoy this week on today i learned star wars the role of darth maul in the phantom menace almost went to benicio del toro The actor wasn't happy when Lucas removed most of Maul's lines from the film, though, and dropped out, only to be replaced by Ray Park, who didn't even get to speak for himself, with his only three lines overdubbed by Peter Serafinowicz. Del Toro went on to land a role in The Last Jedi and manages to have more than three lines. Additional fact, did you know that Maul's double-ended lightsaber was a design lifted from the comic book series Tales of the Jedi The Sith War? That's today I learned Star Wars. Tune in next week for more fun facts on Hauntox first. Is it possible to learn this power? 
Speaking of Darth Maul, do you like how I tied that in there with today's fact of the day? Pretty cool, huh? Uh, but yeah, did any of you know that Darth Maul was originally going to be played by Benicio Del Toro? Because I didn't. Not until like a, a year ago or something like that. How different would the character have been if it was Benicio? Right? It would have been, it would have been a lot different. I mean, it would have been as fluid, not as much movement as Ray Park brings to the character, which is genius. Um, so I think we should be kind of grateful that George wrote very little lines for Darth Maul because that's the reason Benicio said, I don't want to play this part. And then he went on to get another role in The Last Jedi with more speaking parts. So I think it worked out for everybody, right? But um, tune in next week because we'll have more. Today I learned Star Wars with other great facts voiced by my lovely girlfriend, Chris. Speaking of, uh, next week Loki comes out on the 9th. Uh, which is Wednesday. So me and Chris will be doing a Loki after show, which we we did the WandaVision after show. We did the Falcon Winter Soldier after show. We're going to be hosting it. We're going to have a lot of great games and fun things to do. Of course, new artwork and stuff like that. So if you guys are interested, we'll be doing that every Wednesday and you can check it out with me and her. So that's something to look forward to as well. Okay, let's talk about our last topic here. And uh, this one's kind of strange. It's kind of off, but we're talking about Zack Snyder in Star Wars. Kind of weird, huh? You know, before it was announced that Disney bought Star Wars all the way back in 2012. In 2011, it was actually discussed and rumored that Zack Snyder was going to be making a Star Wars movie. And it wasn't until 2013 when Snyder was making his Man of Steel movie that it actually got heavily reported on into like the film community by like the press reports and things like that. He was even on the list to direct The Force Awakens. He wasn't asked to direct it, but he was on the prospect list by Kathleen Kennedy of possible people who could direct the new Star Wars movie. Ultimately, he did decline. He said he did not want to direct The Force Awakens, which at the time was not called The Force Awakens, but you know what I'm saying. (laughs) And so one of the most popular theories about what Zack Snyder's movie was going to be about was that it was going to be a darker take on Yoda's backstory. Though recently he spoke on the Happy Sad Confused podcast, and this is where we're getting our information from. And he said he failed to clarify if any popular characters were going to be in the film, but he did confirm that he was in talks with Lucasfilm making a Akira Kurosawa-inspired Star Wars spinoff with them. But it never quite got off the ground. And this is all interesting stuff. I never knew this. And I would like to thank um, our very loyal listener and friend of the show, Max, for sending this article to me. This actually came out a couple days ago, about five days ago. This article came out. Now, it has been rumored for the past eight years, and now we're getting some more information about it. And Zach actually himself spoke out about it, which is really cool. And it's a bunch of really cool stuff. I'm sorry I'm looking this way. My my notes are over here, so bear with me. So that hasn't stopped the desire for him still to want to make the film. And he hopes to someday make a version of this Star Wars universe movie. Now, let's talk about the actual quotes he said. And I have it right here. It says, yes, we talked about it. But it's never, you know, I've been working on it 
just away from the Star Wars universe, just my own, just as a sci-fi thing. It's still a sci-fi thing. It's the same story, just kind of now I let Star Wars be Star Wars, and I'm just gonna, you know, the 11-year-old me still wants to make that. Now I just know how to, so maybe we'll see that someday again. Those are not my words. Those are Zack Snyder's words. I know they're hard to follow. (laughs) He said, you know, a lot Um, is kind of hard to follow. But basically, he confirmed he did write something. And he has been continually to make revisions for the past eight years. And it does exist. This story exists. Which isn't anything special because all fiction writers or creatives or fans write fiction. We write stories based on the things we love. I've written fan fictions before, some about Obi-Wan Kenobi, and nobody else cares about it. So why should we care about this one? Well, because Zack Snyder is a very big director. You might not like his movies. I certainly don't, but he he's very well known, and it's a possibility that he could actually make a Star Wars movie. Would I want to see one? Hell no. <laughs> I'll explain why later, but let me tell you about this article from IndieWire, and this is a quote from them talking about this uh, Zack Snyder uh, conversation of him coming to Star Wars. It will be an as-yet-untitled Jedi epic loosely based on Akira Kurosawa's 1954 classic Seven Samurai, with the Ronin and Katana being replaced by the Force-wielding knights and their iconic lightsabers. It's just not clear where Snyder's untitled Jedi film would fall within the Star Wars chronologically, but one insider expects it will not be considered part of the numbered episodes, but rather a standalone film set sometime post-episode 6 events, meaning that the next phase of the franchise development is much broader than previously thought. So, it's important to understand, this was in talks with Lucasfilm. It was considered, which means that you know, it would fall in line with canon if this were to come to fruition. And it, this article seems to believe it's mostly going to be taking place after Return of the Jedi. So the events before six and, or sorry, after six and before seven. So what goes on in that time? Well, now we know we have the Mandalorian happening and we'll have some other movies and TV shows to happen in that time period, which tells me that it's probably less likely that we would get this movie considering the time period it takes place in. And I don't think Disney and Lucasfilm is interested at all in doing alternate universe type movies or movies that are not canon or considered to be legends because they're trying to be an MCU. They're trying to build a universe. I mean, everything, ever since they bought Star Wars, they said everything that was Star Wars is now legends. It's no longer expanded universe. Everything we do from here on out will be canon. A very bold, a very ambitious decision. And they've kind of backed themselves into a corner doing that because now they have to make sure everything aligns. And that's kind of putting your hands behind your back in some ways. So let's take the possibility, as this article says, that it is a Yoda standalone story. Would anybody really want to see that? I would not. Not because it's Zack Snyder. From anybody. I don't want a Yoda backstory. First of all, the genius about Yoda was of, was his mystery. He's just Yoda. We don't know his last name. He may not even have a last name. We don't know where he's from. We don't know what he does in his spare time. He's just Yoda the wise, right? And that's what makes him so special. And the first time we met him in The Empire Strikes Back, 
he seemed like this crazy old goon, and it turns out to be this legendary Jedi, this this very wise and uh, powerful Jedi. We got a little bit of his backstory in the prequels, right? That's that's enough for me. I don't need anything else because, I mean, yes, he's over nine hundred years old, but everything before the prequels just doesn't really. I, I don't care. I don't even want to see him in the books. I, I I think he's perfect the way he is, just being a mystery. Now you know eventually they're going to talk about Yoda again. It's inevitable. He's one of the most iconic characters in Star Wars, probably the second most right after Darth Vader, as far as like silhouette figures. And Disney's going to do it. I used to believe that in the contract that George Lucas signed when giving away the rights to Star Wars, in there was a clause that said you cannot touch Yoda. You know, when George Lucas still owned the company, if people wanted to write a book or a comic, novel, etc., about Star Wars, there was only one condition. You cannot write about Yoda. And he had that rule ever since he sold it. And I, I like to believe that he kept that rule. And maybe that's one of the reasons why Zack Snyder's movie never worked and why it's never going to come out and why they said we're going to move on from and go to other directors because a Yoda story isn't possible. And it may not be possible until George Lucas passes away which is kind of sad to think of. But anyway, a Zack Snyder picture for Star Wars. Look, I have not liked any of Zack Snyder's films until Army of the Dead. I think Army of the Dead is great. A lot of people talk bad about it. I understand it's got a lot of problems. I I recognize the plot holes and the silliness of it, but Army of the Dead is a fun movie, especially if you see it in the theaters. But him doing a Star Wars movie, I cannot see it. I mean, first of all, I don't want to see, uh, like, a Star Wars movie in 80% slow motion. (laughs) That's how he shoots his movies. He's also got a very dark tone, which I think Star Wars could use every now and then. A little bit darker tones. Less Disney-fied, right? Um, More like the Rogue One we saw. That's pretty great. And I think his vision doesn't match, though. It's a little too, how do I put it, grainy for the Star Wars world. I don't, I don't think... He's talking about in his quotes that he was writing a sci-fi thing, right? That's what he kept call, referring it as. A, a sci-fi thing. That's what he called it. I was having this discussion on, on Twitter earlier today, actually. I don't consider Star Wars sci-fi. I consider Star Wars um, myth fantasy. Fantasy, very loosely. But it is, in my opinion, not a science fiction franchise. When you're comparing it to things, and this is what I said on my my Twitter discussion, when you're comparing it to things in the sci-fi realm, such as Star Trek, or Silent Running, or even modern-day films, such as um, Ex Machina, and uh, I don't know, if any of you have examples, let me know. I can't think right now. But when you're thinking about other science fiction movies, those movies in the science fiction realm, science plays an important role in the storytelling. It's a commentary on the evolution of technology or physics or biology. And when you're looking at the science in Star Wars, there is no commentary on it. Science in Star Wars is established, it's universal, it's understandable, everyone knows how to use it, and it's not. there's not much time dedicated to how it works. And I think that's part of the brilliance, but it's more based on mythology and the fathers and the sons, family, 
things like that, good versus evil, that is Star Wars, which would make it fantasy and make it adventure films and things like that. So Zack Snyder making a sci-fi Star Wars movie, at this time, I don't think it can work. I think Star Wars can be sci-fi, but I think we'd have to go way back in time, back to the Old Republic. Maybe then it could even be considered sci-fi. And one thing I think would play into that is Taika Waititi's film which I think would be very interesting as well. So that's my thoughts on the Zack Snyder Star Wars possibility. I would love to know what you guys think. Let me know in the comments or on social media what you guys think. I've neglected the comments a lot today. Let me go and check and see what you guys are saying over here. So let me see here. (laughs) I had no idea that Benicio Del Toro was planned to play Darth Maul. Now you know. Now you know. Um, okay, this is interesting. Max says, I would love Zack Snyder to make a Star Wars movie. I really like Dawn of the Dead. Oh, Dawn of the Dead. That was good, actually. I really enjoyed that movie. Wait, Dawn of the Dead was... Was that the one at the mall? Or was that the one at the hospital? I'm so, I, I can't remember. Um, either way, I like both of those movies. Um, and he says, Zack Snyder, but I don't like Batman vs. Superman, and I saw the half of Man of Seal, and I really didn't like it. Um, and I hope Disney brings back Zack Snyder to make this dark Yoda origin movie. Uh, I didn't like Batman vs. Superman. I didn't like Justice League either. I, I mean, I don't really like DC movies in general. Uh, Shazam was good. Wonder Woman was good. Um, I'm like blanking right now. Aquaman was awful. I hated Aquaman. <laughs> I don't know how that movie made a billion dollars. I thought it was terrible. Uh, anyway, he goes on to say the reason why I want Zack Snyder to make his Star Wars movie is because I think he's very creative and I would love to see a darker Star Wars movie. Uh, I will say um, Zack Snyder is very creative. Uh, I agree with that 100%. Um, I think similar to J.J. Abrams, though, Zack Snyder, he wants to write. He, if he's going to be attached to a project, he wants to have his name as a writing credit in addition to directing. So I think that's where his faults are when it comes to making a movie, similar to J.J. Abrams. I think if he was hired to just direct a Star Wars movie, it could be great. It could be really great. I don't think he's a good writer. I think he is a good director. I think he knows vision. I think he understands camera and blocking and things like that. But when it comes to writing... I think that's his weakness. And that's what I hear from other people as well. I haven't seen all of his movies, so it's kind of an unfair assessment on my on my part, but I see what you're saying there. Um, I think we all kind of want a darker Star Wars movie anyway, so I could definitely see that happening too. Uh, I have no idea why people don't like Aquaman. Love it. It's one of those big Harry Hassan movies of the 60s, big, over-the-top, and overly dramatic <laughs> Okay, Luke, the reason why I don't like Aquaman is because (laughs) I don't really care for Jason Momoa, first of all. I didn't like the humor in that movie. I will say some of the camera work in Aquaman was great. Really great. I didn't like the cheese factor of it. I thought the acting was terrible. I didn't like the special effects. And I've never liked Aquaman, the character, to begin with. And I don't know. I just think I don't... The story wasn't good for me. You know, it's also the same with Captain America. I hated Captain America. And then they announced they were going to make a Captain America movie. And I was like, ugh, 
Out of all the things, you're going to waste your money on a Captain America movie. Not to mention it was also a period piece movie. And I don't like period pieces either. (laughs) But I watched it anyway because it was the MCU. I needed to know what happens, right? And it was okay. It was just okay. You know, not my favorite at all. I still didn't like the character at all. Then Winter Soldier came out. And Winter Soldier blew my mind. And it became my favorite MCU movie to date. Better than Endgame, in my opinion. Totally changed the character for me. And then I liked Captain America for the first time. But, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know what it is, really. But Aquaman, it just wasn't for me. I'm glad you liked it, though. A lot of people liked it. Uh, A lot of people liked it. I mean, over a billion dollars, a lot of people liked it. Um, And you also say you didn't like Army of the Dead. (laughs) Okay, so we have, like, complete opposite... um, states of mind when it comes to to movies it sounds like except star wars so well not all of star wars but i liked army of the dead i really did i thought it was cool i and it, it might have been because it was the first movie i saw in theaters again in over a year it probably had something to do with it but i liked it i thought it was cool all right so that is all i got for you guys today that is a whole show that is we talked about everything imagine that um again you guys can feel free to reach out to me on social media or in the comments down below. If you're watching live, please give this video a like. Please, please, please. It helps out so much. I posted a video the other day and it got more dislikes than likes, which I'm probably asking for more dislikes on this video just because I said that. Uh, but anyway, it doesn't matter if you like it or dislike it, but you know, it helps out either way, but I would prefer the up thumbs rather than the down thumbs. So Anyway, again, next week, uh, we're doing Hot Talks first again on Monday, but also Wednesday is the Loki after show. I hope you guys watch it and enjoy it. Bad Batch is this Friday. We'll be doing the after show or the review of that on next Sunday. So I hope you come and join us for that. And I'm actually going to do another stream this week talking about Star Wars um, on Wednesday. I don't know if it's going to be live yet, but uh, it'll be it'll be a different type of stream. We're actually going to do a more of a filmmaking podcast talking about the different types of filmmaking, uh, the challenges, the way to do it, things like that, and relating it to Star Wars. So if you guys want to join us for that, feel free. Um, But yeah, I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Enjoy the rest of your Memorial Day and uh, check out the podcast for other great episodes. We talked a little bit about the science of Star Wars. I did an entire hour-long episode on the podcast about the science of Star Wars. Go check that out. It's great. I relate Star Wars science to our world science, how Star Wars has actually inspired modern day science. So please go check that out. It's very interesting. It would mean a lot to me if you if you listen to it. But until then, until next time, my friends, somehow, someway, somewhere this week, may the force be with you. So who talks first? You talk first. I talk first. <laughs>